Hello and welcome to Grid Talk, your weekly RC racing podcast with your host myself, Russell Lee, and as always, the fantastic Chris Bowden. How are you doing, Chris? Ah, oh, doing pretty well, mate. Cheers, thanks. So, oh, class. Let me thank sponsors. No one cares about you. Thank you to CML Distribution, Schumacher Racing, and Wellspeed, the companies that keep us in there every week. I nearly messed it up, Chris, and throw us some prizes at Christmas. Guys, thanks for your constant support. We really couldn't do this show without you. So, once again, you are the best. So you found a guest this week then, mate? Yeah, I thought we'll do a bit of stuff so we can get a nice mix of, uh, you know, the vintage, the old days, the new stuff, um, you know. Um, so we go looking for him now, mate, shall I ring him? Well, go on, you give Chris Delves a call. I'm, I'm flipping doing it, it's a good job you mentioned it, mate, because I'd have forgot. Yeah. It's ringing. And it looks like Chris has just answered. How are you, Chris? Good evening, gentlemen, how are we doing? Really good. Oh, not Thanks too for bad. coming on. No, thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. Okay, so let's just give you a quick little intro for anybody who doesn't recognise the name. So this is Chris Delves of uh, TLR fame and also currently graphic designer at Logic RC. So no doubt you've got some of uh, the products he's helped with on your pit table. And, of course, relation to a couple of famous people back in the day, um, in the UK with TLR, uh, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> but I mean, you've been around for you've been around for ages, haven't you, Chris? I mean, obviously you went through all the um, the Helga days and Horizon, um, yeah, back in the back in the olden days. Um, but yeah, anyway, I, guess so. I feel like I'm rushing on. Sorry. So we do. This is your life, Chris. Sure. Yes, mate. Yeah. So yeah. We like a bit of this is your life. Right. So in a nutshell, give us your history of RC. What was your first inkling of an RC car? And um, how did that progress into into racing? Uh, okay, so I guess I had a bit of a unique induction into model car racing, not your normal seeing it on a high street or in a field racing around at a fate or something like that. Um, I sort of was kind of my parents um, helped or owned, co-owned with George Land, um, Helga Racing. So... I, it's always been in, around. I've always been around it, and yeah, it's always been sort of just there. And then one day, sort of took more of an interest in the cars themselves. And uh, I would go in with my dad on a Saturday into the unit and ask him to charge up a battery pack whilst I did a bit of cleaning to earn my keep, as it were. And then I'd take my this beaten up car out outside and just race around manhole covers to start with and just sort of see how far I could go with it inevitably it would then lose signal and then it'd be running off on its own somewhere so I'd have to run for god knows how far down the um where the work area was to retrieve the car and stuff like that but that's really how I first started getting into it um just you know racing around manhole covers really it sounds pretty silly but that's where it all started and obviously seeing George who's also my godfather George Land that is um go off to all these events around the world around the UK he was fast man. he was back in his day I always um here's one for you um, um host Chris um he, he made the first ever Euros A final Jesus that's <laughs> quite yeah. something isn't it I, yeah, I always yeah, yeah. laugh uh, when I see on Facebook some of the vintage stuff pop up and uh, I see George's name I always like take a little screen grab of it and send it to him and go yep they're still you're still in current um, oh god I'm talking shit now um, what did I want to say talk about I'll seeing George's it. cars in the yeah in just, the magazine or, it's just seeing the um, you know like the timesheets and stuff like that yeah. um, you know I take like a screenshot of it with my phone and send it to him and just say you know put you're that old and he'd come back and goes god what year was that and we'd sort of have a little chat about that perhaps and see if he can actually remember it because poor old boy's getting on a bit um but yeah and so I, it sort of grew from there but obviously with it being the family business um the influence was just there from day one yeah so you were big. kind of you were kind of born into it then weren't you to rather a degree. than found it so where did yeah. the name Helga come from? Can, um, 
so my understanding of the creation, the the, uh, the name Helga, was so my parents joined the business as it were uh, after George and a gentleman called Jerry Goldberg had started it, and George and Jerry were bringing in Palmer, I believe, at the time, and the name was. Jerry Gold, a combination of Jerry Goldberg and his either girlfriend at the time, Helen. So it was Hell, as in Helen, and then Jerry was the second part. So it was Helga, if that makes sense. Um, yeah, it was like a combination of him and his missus name, is my understanding. Um, a bit, bit random, but it sort of worked, I guess. And it, it, you know, for many years it was used before the buyout. So yeah, so it sort of just was the combination of Helen and Jerry's first part of their names, I guess. Yeah. So how long was it before you sort of stopped with the, you know, just racing around manhole covers in the back, in outside the factory, uh, outside the unit? Um, probably about a year or so, maybe maybe a little bit more. I've I've always been playing with the cars probably since the age of 10 and then so that would have been 94 and then 95 ish 90 96 then I started to go to my first actual race event um, George took me uh, it was South End Buggy Club and um, I believe my first proper race car was uh, a Losi Junior um, which I pretty much snapped I think and George was then like, well, I haven't got any spares for that car, so you'll have to use my double X, um, which was obviously overpowered for my ability at the time. And subsequently, you know, sent six foot high off of a two foot jump or something stupid like that. With George <laughs> wincing under the rostrum at me. Um, so, yeah, we always joke about that even now, actually. Um, I, was ch- I was checking a few facts with George, actually, um, yesterday just asking him about the cars and the years and stuff because it sort of all just blurs into one really um and yeah he was sort of saying about oh do you remember when i actually you know told you off for slouching on the rostrum and stuff like that and i was like yeah funnily enough i've never done it since (laughs) (laughs) he was always one to to tell me as it is and tell me it's straight yeah we have had a lot of guests say like how nice a nice a guy he was and how much he's helped people through the years and stuff as well. So Yeah, George is good to George, Yeah, George is a massive character and um you know over the years he had a lot of experience and helped a lot of people along the way uh, at in all various levels, you know, from David Spashit um through to, you know, the, the little guys sort of thing and that were just you know doing it for fun as it were so like, i can't you know i can't put my finger on how many times people have mentioned george for giving him a motor or batteries at a meeting or something yeah you know, no. I, I can't remember how many times but it's been a few i mean i saw that it was on last week chris didn't they even talk about it no that was jasper last no, week, week um i know we've we've had quite a few people you know mention it um it, you know going through back through the years there has been you know, a lot of people, um, and I don't think they've just been like your average club races either. There has been, I think, Spashit did mention him when we had David on, um, and there's been a few others as well. So it's, it's what, good to hear stories on a personal level as well. What was it like working? Because obviously, Spashit worked there, didn't he, back in the day? What was it like working with him and him being quite quick? Was there like a hierarchy of who was fastest? Did you you got all your <laughs> got all your cars for free and your and your just had that's all you did all day is just work on your cars like we do at CML. No. <laughs> <laughs> I wished we could have, but um no, it was great, you know, working with David back in the day. Um, you know, the guy was he still is a legend to be honest. Um and, and such a knowledgeable chap as well about all of the racing. But it's not just that, it was obviously the business side of what we were doing uh, and David was also equally good at that. You know, he used his uh, understanding of the industry, of the products and and stuff like that to, to great effect when we all worked together. And it was really good times. Um, David was very dedicated, obviously, towards his racing as well, when he was always um, up fettling and sorting things out for the weekend and, you know, trying new ideas and stuff like that back in the early days. 
um, when we had the the sort of um, team deck at Horizon. And yeah, it was just a great place to go sort of do stuff, talk rubbish, hurl abuse at one another, ask each other questions, or probably me more asking David, I would say. Um, and yeah, no, it was really good times, really good times. But um, that was, that. those days didn't really happen for, I don't know when David started. Um, but there was obviously a, a lot before that that happened, you know, with, with David like winning that triple crown in, in 98 with the street weapon and the Pro 10 and the, the 12 scale car from Trinity, the switchblade, I think it was. Yeah. Um, and then it was, you know, David was just purely race at that point. And then probably, I don't know, maybe five years so early 2000s, mid 2000s, he then came on board to Horizon, started working for Mundan George, and um, that was obviously after the Horizon buyout. Yeah. So obviously, when you were driving the, um, so the car in the drain cover, um, you were 12. What was your progression in, into working at the company? Did you leave school and go straight in, or did you go college first? Um. So, pretty much, from a very young age, was always working um, at. Helga at a weekend with mum and dad bagging body shells putting parts in bags for trick bits you might remember that brand name from back in the day Um, and flight line and all of that we were all me and my brother were always in work with my folks if we weren't doing school work Um, you know helping drive things forward uh, getting stuff done you know my parents often said they didn't have kids for fun they had it for slave labour so they put us (laughs) to good they put us into good 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 effect as it were um and yeah so we were always in work um doing stuff but you know school was obviously the the primary focus from both of our parents and I went uh, from doing obviously like GCSEs went to do A levels and then on to uni but I was always in like the summer holidays we were always at work either pulling orders packing orders or as time progressed and I started to get a, a better hand on graphic design um helping to produce adverts and brochures and stuff like that um so yeah it was sort of like a gradual ease into it when i came out of uni i'd studied product design i did a little bit of that freelance for about i don't know six months a year and then it wasn't really quite going the way i wanted it to and there was just an an opportunity really to start work at Horizon full-time and um, yeah I took it because obviously I was massively into the hobby into the, and I knew the industry um, and yeah so started as just like a base graphic designer again just doing bits bobs anything that needed doing um, and then ended up doing like website stuff and catalogs and just anything everything show stands at one point um yeah so it was a, it was quite a progressive sort of step into working for horizon as it were um but you know i've done kind of everything literally from sweeping the warehouse floor through to sitting in front of a computer doing design you know so yeah. um it's, it's quite funny you mentioned catalogs there because every now and then at, uh, at cml we'll, we'll come across an old catalog um, because pre-internet days, every product that's on our shelves was in a book. So you'd open yeah. up and you'd literally scan through a catalogue of different colour bo- uh, body clips. It's like a half inch thick. You used to do the same things um, at Horizon or Helga with, um, uh, yeah. with, the, with the proper yeah, catalogues for the shops. Yeah, yeah, I can always remember um, Dad always talking about um, producing the catalogue and how big it used to be and how much work that actually went into it as well. It was a monumental task to picture everything. This is obviously before digital photography as well in, in some cases. And yeah, it was just a mammoth task to, to produce a catalogue. Um, it was almost like once you start it, uh, once you finish it rather, you got to start the next one in a way. Yeah. It was a, it was almost like a never ending task, but yeah. And then obviously the, the interwebs got invented and kiboshed a lot of stuff like that because our catalogues were obviously online largely. Yeah. So did you um 
How were you getting on with your racing at this point when you were like 16? Because you've been doing it four or five years. Were you starting to do the nationals and things like that? Um, no, I still think I was pretty much doing like club racing. Um, you know, like I said earlier, my, my first, I started in buggies effectively, had a junior, then a double X, double X4, triple X. And around about that sort of time, um, touring cars started to gain popularity. And I can remember, you know, we were distributing Losi and had been since I think like 93 or something like that. And I remember Losi were making a touring car version of the double X4. And we were going to go to, uh, sorry, not we were going to go to. They'd sent like a prototype for David's Bashit to run over at Aldershot. My dad wanted to go get some photos. So I thought, you know, go for a bit of a jolly, go and see what this is all about. And, um, yeah, was was there for the day with David whilst he was testing. Dad was doing taking photos and stuff like that, press releases or something like that, if I remember right. George was there, obviously, uh, helping out with the technical side. And, um, yeah, just sort of was, like, in awe of watching Dave race his car around Aldershot. And um, at that point, I sort of tran- was – making a transition to, to touring cars almost, you know, and then spent probably like the next, I don't know how many years, like even if you think it was like 97 through till uh, 2010 or something like that, racing touring cars, yeah. you know, from Street Weapon, Triple XS, uh, the Corrali range of cars I was racing at one point. I raced Tamir privately. And then finally ended upon the JRXS Pro, uh, which was the touring car with everything down the centre. You know, uh, I think we were running five cell modified uh, with brushless. Yeah. And yeah, that, that was crazy. And that car was incredibly hard to set up as well with its tiny, tiny little wishbones. Yeah. Uh, dubbed Nemo, if I remember right as well. <laughs> um, and yeah, I had like my final season, I think was touring cars and national racing um like 2010 knowing that tlr were going to be re-releasing a new buggy and i was actively sort of winding down my touring cars to get behind um buggies again yeah but i never i wasn't really thinking oh i'm going to take it seriously it's not you know i was just going to look to do it as a bit of fun and maybe even phase out my racing but, um, yeah, then the minute I sort of returned to buggies in, with the uh, announcement of the 22, the very first one, um, it sort of rekindled it all for me, racing and, and buggies. And I was just, like, loving uh, jumping a car again and, like, on purpose this time, you know, it was great fun doing it with touring cars, obviously. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, it's, and then it just rekindled the whole a hobby again for me coming back to touring cars uh, going back to buggies something fresh and uh yeah never stopped loving it since really I, I sort of even to this day i question um straying from off-road as it were but um you know i had some real good times racing touring cars and you know met so many great people got so many good friends from it um and yeah it was Do you that think, sort of a, you think- a rough history of it do you think racing touring cars helps you with buggy chessel uh no <laughs> in short i do I, I remember when i was going from touring cars to buggies thinking oh i'll make this change on the car and then i'd make the change in the car and i'll be feeling the change i'll be like this doesn't feel like it does on a touring car yeah so the two never quite lined up for me and i had to almost relearn the setup of things yeah i'm i'm sure that they are doing the same things, you know, shorter camber links, giving you more camber gain, you know, thicker yeah. diff oils doing the same thing. But it was just, it felt different to me on track. So had a bit of a re-education in, in setup as it were um, over the years. And um, yeah, sort of had to relearn things. That's how I felt about it anyway. It makes sense. How about, um, obviously, driving touring cars helps you with your apexes? Uh, yeah, I think it made you good at doing consistent lines. And I'd spent quite a chunk of the time racing stock as well. 
Um, so you were you knew how to go flat out for five minutes. You know, uh, when we were racing 19 turn six cell um, touring cars, it was like one ways in the front, um, a diff in the back because we didn't have gear diffs. And it was just a flat out five minute sprint. It really was. And um, yeah, so I knew how to sort of like drive really hard. But coming into off-road, the, the thing that you just doesn't really register when you're racing touring cars is the bumps and the inconsistency. And it was once described to me as um, having measured aggression, you know, knowing when to really push on and really attack a track and when to sort of take it easy and back off in, in places. You know, it is the, the whole off-road racing in, in 10th and 8th is really just measured aggression, I think, the whole time. Um, and when you watch some of the top boys, you know, you can really see it. You can see how hard and how fast they can push a car. And then when they're backing off and just, you know, taking it that little bit easy. You Not know, to say that they're that, driving Miss Daisy at any point. But We were talking about this a couple of weeks ago. We, well, a perfect example, measured measured aggression. Um, we were at the, the rear motor challenge and Neil Cragg was leading the A final with his old B, with an old B4. Um, and he clipped a back mark and ended up on his roof so he was in second place and he was chasing down Matt Thompson and the way his car changed the aggression that went into the car, a car to, to yeah. watch him chase him down it was just like it's, it's just yes. you know it's unreal you know yeah and it's just amazing when you have that sort of red mist as it were and you really push on how much you can make up from a guy that's sort of just like trying to hold position as yeah. it were yeah. and it's always that thing isn't it being a chaser's Easier than being I chased. Say that's so much easier to follow. Yeah, <laughs> so always, much easier. Always. Yeah. Oh, uh, that's why I'm always second because it's easier to follow, but I never just can't get around to making the move. <laughs> <laughs> Tommy Hall says you got to finish, get to, get to four minutes, and go like crazy for the last minute. <laughs> really? Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> if if I had his talent, if you're in, if you're in second sort of thing, is what he was saying, like you know. My, my problem is is when I, I find when I'm racing is that I go all hell for leather like in the first minute and then like the the rest of the run I spend trying to hold it all together sort of thing you know trying not to make mistakes yeah. I always when, when I go racing like Velis and stuff he's always like bloody hell Chris come out like a bat out of hell out off the line there and then you know you can see like within, from that first minute to the the, the the end of the run he would just pull that gap on me yeah. and I'd be like yeah I was quick for a minute and then I'm, it was all done with <laughs> <laughs> you took, took the edge off the tyres and that's it <laughs> yeah. nice. so where you were racing um, was, was a jumpy forward a bit actually um, so when you left Horizon um, did you go did you go and work with Schumacher for a little bit uh, no I didn't no um, obviously when Horizon closed its doors in the UK uh we were all without a job. Yeah. Um, and I went and worked for a company called New Era Fuels in Harlow, uh, which very, very boring, but it was kerosene and uh, red diesel sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, just working as a graphic designer for them, um, which was a bit of an eye opener. Um, but then I was looking for my way out of that job and I'd sent my CV about all the place. Uh, prior and then I got a, a message from uh, Elliot Wright who's one of the directors at Logic RC to say was I available for for um, an interview was I interested in a job and to which I was like I'll snap your hand up for a job to get out of this one thank you very much <laughs> and um, yeah and then that was like in 2019 and I went along for a job interview and yeah it was sort of like stepping back into Horizon as it were because obviously Logic are the Horizon distributor for the uk um i still knew the product range pretty well so again having that little bit of extra knowledge about it um was a bonus to them and um yeah i've been there ever since i mean logic rc are a massive distributor and they? they do some massive brands yeah um they've do they got... still, still do traxxas no they had we had traxxas alongside horizon for about 18 months yeah. and it was mad it, that was like the the first 18 months that i was there yeah um it was just like crazy the amount of stuff that would go out the door was just phenomenal um but traxxas uh didn't you know uh they're big rivals of horizon in the states 
they wanted their distributor to be focused on them, which is yeah, fair enough. Yeah, yeah. And uh, they they went elsewhere, which yeah. is fair enough. Yeah. And you know we we've still got Horizon, uh, which is uh, you know they they're incredible uh, uh, producing product and you know it's doing very well for us. Yeah, it's good. I mean you'd obviously do armor and Axial as well. Yeah, um, I mean, they're, they're arm, huge I'll tell you what, mate, you think it's mental, well, you know, because you're in the trade, but you're yeah. like, you know, you think, you, you know, you, you're mad having a wet and a dry car, and let, you'll go down the park on a Sunday morning, and one bloke will have one of every armour, because they'll just buy, they'll buy um, I don't know, a Creighton or something, and then the next next month, they go and buy the, uh, um, a, another version of it, <laughs> you know, yeah. and they'll just no, have look, every car. Yeah, I mean, over, like, lockdown, I don't know if it was the same for you guys at CML, but we just saw business upturn. Yeah, it was just they, mental. They couldn't get anything. People, yeah, people yeah. just wanted to to buy, um, you know, RTR cars and go and have some fun. Yeah. They wanted a break from those four walls during lockdown, and you know the number of like fifth scale cars that we would sell. You know, they're like twelve hundred quid um, products. You yeah. know, you think. My God, how many of those are we selling now? And that was just—it was just crazy yeah. those times. That's so, cool. yeah. So obviously, with um, going back to Logic, it makes perfect sense to to team up with all their cars. Yeah. No. I mean, I had three brilliant years with Schumacher. You know, Trish is a really good friend, still is. Um, and when Horizon uh, ended, I, I, I was like, right, this is an opportunity to go. And uh, race with someone else yeah. um, and to support a friend and I had three great years you know with Trish and, and Schumacher and I, they were really good to me yeah he's sound um, as well he, Trish to they be. were yeah, yeah. no uh, Robin and Muzzy everyone there was just absolutely brilliant but obviously with going back into the trade uh, you sort of think I need to get behind what we sell I need to have a bit more of um an understanding of what we sell and obviously not a basher i'm a racer so get behind the race product and obviously the tlr offering is not that well uh, supported in the uk unfortunately at the minute um but the product is just top notch you know the the 22x4 is a blinding bit of kit to be fair and the, the two-wheel drive is is mustard as well to be honest um it's just the team has sort of shrunk uh, a little bit but you know there's still great guys within the team up and down the country um everyone you know are varying varying abilities and levels and you know it, it's a good team you know it's just there's not as many as there once was yeah no no they all change around well you know um Teams grow, grow and go small all the time, don't they? I mean, the, yeah. um, you've got a massive eight following uh, in the well in the Midlands anyway. I, I can think of like, you know Posh yeah. Paul, Posh Paul, Wayne <laughs> Davis. You know, um, yeah. they're, they're all yeah. in the lost stuff still. Yeah, no, no. Wayne still Wayne Wayne was there helping us out with the eight scale team back when we obviously were working for Horizon as well. And um, he's a great guy, and yeah. you know, big character. The Davises, both Wayne and Jim. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so I'm not surprised that in in that sort of area that they're still big, and that's great to see as well. Yeah, it's really funny, like you know, you describe Wayne or Jim. How do you describe them? The sound, oh, cool. So you know, so it's all you need to know. Yeah, they just Loud. sound. Yeah, you hear them before you see them. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, he's, he's class. Um, yeah. So, are you still there, Chris? Yeah, I'm still here. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm still here. Cool. Have you got any questions, mate? Yeah, I was going to. Um, Obviously, go on because we've, we've been doing a little bit of digging, and um, not only did you do a bit of work for various distributors, you also did uh, did quite a bit with Racer Magazine, didn't you? I did a little bit, yeah. I've done some, I wrote some articles, um, or I say some, I think I wrote one article, if I'm honest, on the I think it was a Tamir 417, but then I did some of the reporting for the 2018 national season. Yeah. I did the yeah. race reports and some photography as well, um, to which I started uh, my own little Facebook page called Zoom Photography, which I've shut down since because I just don't have the time to sort of sit at a racetrack taking photos and then go home and filter them out and edit them and get them up. But, yeah, I did that for a little bit. 
because yeah, um, we've heard off a reputable source that some of your photos were uh, some of the best in the some of the best photos of RC cars. Oh, really? Oh, that's really high praise indeed. But I'm not sure about that. I mean, <laughs> Mister God rest his soul, Jimmy Upal, uh, he was really the man for that. To be honest, I always remember looking at his uh, his race reports and just being in absolute awe in the way that the man would sort of capture the essence of what was going on and the action on track and stuff like that. Yeah. You know, that was something I always aspired to. Are you Jimmy's, Jimmy's photos were that good that I can find photos from 2006, 2005, and I will use them on Facebook for the, the yeah. type, you know what I mean? Uh, obviously, yeah, obviously no. we'll leave the watermarks in, and you think they were took yesterday, the quality of them. Yeah, no, it's mental. and it's just yeah, it was always that sort of like capturing the, the car and the articulation and the sort of that moment where it's like just taking off or you know it's burying itself into the ground into a turn or, or whatever. It was always just yeah, he was awesome at capturing those moments. So did, how did you find um, your way into? Because you were you writing the um, the national report as well. Yeah, so how, just how for, did you find, get into that? Um. So I had Matt. So I've known Matt Benfield for a long time because, again, like many people, they raced for Helga. Yeah. Um, you know, new mum, dad, and George, and um, you know they would come to the office, and I'd be sat there in the corner, you know, doing homework or something. And as you get older, you get talking to these people, and you, you generate like a friendship with them. And um, yeah, and and I believe Keith Robertson sort of said that he wasn't going to be doing the national reports anymore i believe keith was doing them i can't remember yeah what he was yeah well, i think yeah. he, he, he knocked um, it on the other uh, the right the, yeah not, he the, said, not the racing on the head sorry so he, yeah, yeah so then he stepped away from doing the reports because he wasn't there and matt just said to me would i do it and i said sure we'll give it a go and uh, it definitely made for some very busy days at the track when it came to nationals um you know trying to take it all in take photos know what's going on all the time and one thing and the other it was hard work and so I did that for a season then I think in 2018 I was like I didn't have a great season I think I managed to get my national F2 um but it was like I really want to like put my attention to my racing and and enjoy the racing as well as be a competitor or the best competitor that I can be I should say because um, obviously I've never been at the sharp end. Um, and then, yeah, so just did that one year of doing it. And then in 2019, uh, then sort of knocked it on the head, obviously, and uh, just focused on my racing. Yeah. What kind of results were you at? Um, so if you were F2, you were like CD final in the Nationals? Mm, I'd say more like DE. Yeah. Yeah, I'd say DE. Um in 2019, I did get my F1 um, with a couple of, like, I had a really good Bowton. I had a really good Eden Park. Um, I think I was, like, in Cs, maybe Bs. can't remember now. Um, and then I had a couple of other good Nationals to back that up as well with a, a few more Cs and Ds. Um, but, yeah, I got my F1 in 2019, as I say, so I was quite, quite proud of that. That was the same year that Alexander Hayward got his F1. Yeah, exactly. I think I think we were like literally. I can't remember which way it was, but he might have just been in front of me, and I was just behind him in one oh, class, oh, and then it was oh, like the other way around we, in another. We were we were laughing and joking about this today, um, myself and Alexander. Um, mm-hmm. The fact that you cost him <laughs> his two wheel drive F one. Did uh, I? Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, and it was because I had a good, we, I had a good, um, good work. Uh, it wasn't your. No, apparently um, you'd you'd rolled over, and a marshal picked your car, put you back on, and threw you on on the track in front of Alex. Oh <laughs> And God. something happened, so he lost time, so he didn't get into the <laughs> he didn't get into the C file. He was like polling the D. Um, but it's yeah, funny the things it, you remember, we, isn't we, it? We, 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 honestly, it was, it, we were just laughing. Like, he was laughing about it today because he managed to get his <laughs> F1 the following day in the four wheel drive. Look yeah. at me. <laughs> <laughs> oh god yeah, yeah. but yeah we said the marshal he just launched his car in front of you is so. Alex an F1 is Alex an F1 he, he never mentions it mate no no he, yeah. he never mentions <laughs> it yeah. I think uh, I think Pete Loins was uh, rubbing that one in his face for a little while afterwards because he was uh, 
he was quite proud of that fact, and rightly so, to be honest. Yeah, oh mate, yeah, he's class. Yeah, we talk, we, we laugh and joke about it all the time, you know. Um, yeah. But as I qualified him at the first regional of the year. Put, oh, him, so put him put him back in his box just a little bit exactly as you should do yeah, in yeah, your yeah. place yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wasn't a rainy hold system. on Bruce. Oh, hold on. on you didn't you didn't take you around of a regional in the hard region did you, I take you the round of the West Midlands regionals yes Midwest regionals right. I thought so, I, did I am kind of a big I, deal Chris you know I, I don't like I to, I, I, I'm I, humble I, as well I don't like to go on about it you never mentioned it you never mentioned it so I thought I'd check and I backed that up with a third in round as well. <laughs> yeah, solid result. Yeah, man. Yeah, I got, I got two. I got two. I got two. I got two round assists in, in one meeting. <laughs> How can it get any more perfect than that? <laughs> with over a hundred people there, you know, it's just it's just perfect in it. <laughs> I always remember there was a Eden Park National. Um, I can't remember what year it was, but I think it was just in the early days of. Uh, TLR and it was just myself Ellis and uh, Richard Thorpe and um, we were all like pitting together obviously and Richard gone out for his run it was a bone dry track and he put in an absolute corker of a run and it was like super tidy and clean and it was like yeah solid result there Rich that'll put you you know hopefully top 40 top 30 maybe and then all of a sudden the heavens absolutely opened and he got the rain assist at national and it was the, the i just remember just us like sort of laughing to ourselves that he tq'd around Aiden park and we were like my god never thought that had happened sort of thing um and yeah you know, rain assists are a rain assist you know you, you've got to do it i've been the on the time. other end as well mate <laughs> you know what i mean i've, yeah, I've been you, on the bad you, side of him as well yeah i think everyone has but when when it's good it's good and you know people often will kind of go oh yeah well you've only got that because of the rain you're like yeah but i still have to drive well at that point in the day <laughs> yeah. before it rained to get there <laughs> i could have binned it like i do in every other run <laughs> so you've been bringing us back up to date now you're you've been doing the uh, s6 carpet clash through the winter yes so um Richard Thorpe, um, about five, six years ago, uh, we were chatting on the phone as we do every week. And uh, he was saying about he wanted to start a club up and he wanted to put on some racing because Maritime Raceway had disappeared in the area. Obviously, Brentwood isn't really chatting, but it's in that sort of, you know, that hour sort of drive. And um, I've been like, yeah, yeah, Rich, you're crazy. You're, you don't want to start a model car club. It's a lot of work, mate. And he was like, yeah, but it'd be good. It'd be easy. Da, da, da. And then about a year later, he went, I've bought the carpet. It's coming on this date. We're going to start running a race meeting. And I was like, you're joking. And then, yeah, we started Carpet Clash between um, Richard. He, he's a sole uh, fun, you know, man that funds it all and everything. And then there's just a team of us that uh, are around him to sort of, you know, help promote, build the tracks, run the run the event on the day and pack it away all into the trailer and then, you know, do it again the next time. Um, and so I've been doing that for the past four years. And obviously over this winter, um, all I've done is carpet clash uh, just due to family commitments and things like that. Um, I think I finished fourth in the championship. I was quite pleased with that given the amount of time that I could put to it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, so we've done, and that was our fourth season of Essex Carpet Clash. Um, we're going into our fifth this year and uh, hoping for bigger and better things. Class. How much work was it early doors setting the club up? Like, you know, getting the carpet, um, getting the hoses, I don't know, getting buried, you know, things like people don't think about. Was it, was it like yeah, a full time job for someone? Uh, well, again, it was Rich, really. He, he was the man. He, we'd have these chats. Like I say, we talk like once a week and um, he'd be like, yeah, I'm thinking about doing it like this. And I think, I think we need to get this for track marking. I can remember when he said to me, oh, he's going to get escalator handrail for track markings. I was like, you what, mate? Are you having me on? Why don't you just get like firos? And he was like, yeah, but it costs so much for firos and then sand and stuff. He goes, I can get however long it was, however many metres of escalator handrail for like 200 quid. And I was like, all right, okay. I'll get you. Yeah. I understand now. And then 
we sort of was had a had a rough plan to you know put a race meeting on and did I did all of the uh, graphics and promotion and the logos and all of the the frilly bits if you will um to sort of promote it and uh yeah then we rocked up on that first morning Sunday morning to build a track uh, lay all the carpet down having never done it before put a put an, and put a race meeting on it was quite a, a day really because none of us knew what we were doing and it was just like we're all running around a bit like headless chickens and then by half past eight we were like oh my god we've actually put a track together in an hour and a half and there's people going around it now <laughs> so we were pretty amazed by that and then yeah we sort of refined it over the years and made it bigger better and uh yeah we've, we've sort of got a, a good a good um, format for the event as well now. Uh, Rich's thing is always to get as much racing in as possible. He was always like, the A final shouldn't just get three finals. I want everyone to have three finals. Yeah. Like, but then you want to do four qualifiers as well. He goes, yeah. And I'm just like, oh, okay, so it's going to be a busy day <laughs> pushing <laughs> pushing on all the time. Yeah. So, have, so you, have you hosted a regional at the um, at the Essex meeting? No, I don't. I don't believe Rich has been approached is, to. Do you think he's going to at some point? That'd be cool, wouldn't it? Like end of the um, end of the season, yeah, first yeah. regional. Yeah, add a carpet into first region of the year. Be quite cool, wouldn't it? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm sure that would be something Rich would like to um, to do. Um, it's just we haven't been approached to do it. Uh, you know, the, the southeast region they've, they've got quite a good number of tracks anyway. They've got uh, obviously Eden Park. They've got. Uh, Oh God, the Plough, which is a, an old school grass track. They've got God, I've gone blank. <laughs> so, are you are you going to race? Re, are you racing the regionals this year? Uh, yeah, I'm kind of doing the bare minimum. Yeah, really, I'm doing my going to try and do three rounds in the east of England yeah. region. Um, so I did Hearts in May, I think it was, and uh, yeah, no, that that one went well. Managed to finished second in both two and four drive behind Harley who's you know incredibly fast yeah next level uh, he, yeah. yeah no she, she really is and you know mate. it's funny because I raced a dad when I was racing touring cars you know Brian <laughs> during, I, I used during to be, the war yeah it does feel like that <laughs> you sort of realise how, how long you've been doing it you say, that, do, you, like do you say that I used to beat your dad all the time <laughs> well the thing was I didn't always beat Brian but we were always he was quick and he, he really did know his onion sort of thing and you can you know Brian came from off-road as well I believe so he's sort of like going back and reliving um like years gone by uh by doing off-road with Harley but yeah no she's she's incredibly fast and I thought when when she first came on back in or came into off-road I was kind of like it's going to be interesting to see how she takes it but you know she's absolute mustard she really does know how to drive. Yeah, and of course, she's just recently swapped to uh, X-ray as well, hasn't she? Yeah. So yeah. a bit more, from a bit more up. support from a bigger team. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the X-ray uh, team is is pretty um, pretty substantial at the moment as well. When you look at, look at it across the globe, um, and very strong. Yeah. Have you got any? Are you going to do the or try and do the the MKGP three next year that's been launched recently? Yeah, I mean it was definitely something I would like to give a go, especially as um, last year we, um, my my partner and I we we sort of we decided to we were going to have a child and um, and move all at the same time. So my daughter was born last July, and then four weeks later. Uh, we just we moved house as well, so I've moved from living in Essex to living in Bedfordshire. Um, so I am about a forty-five minute drive to Milton Keynes as well. So it means I don't have to uh, <laughs> have a hotel or anything like that. Perfect. Yeah, we did the. Um, I think uh, I've done. I did the pair. Did you do the first one, Chris, or the second one? You did uh, the second, the second one, one, second one with the stadiums, wasn't it? I remember now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's class meeting, mate. Honestly, um, it, it's awesome racing with, um, you know, like spectators four deep right the way around the track. Yeah, that's what the hobby needs. And they're cheering and, oh my God, it's crazy. It's crazy. The hobby just needs that exposure. And to be fair, you know, Milton Keynes, 
that shopping centre is a great place to get it. It's a great, great way to um, show people what we do and how good it is. Yeah, I thought it was quite cool that where it was positioned, um, literally just above it was like, um, is it like a John Lewis or a yeah, so jo- yeah, John Lewis, with yeah, coffee, yeah, with a coffee shop, coffee shop kind of thing, and like you, you could just people were sitting up there having a coffee, getting like an aerial view of us racing, and it was like. This is mental. Yeah, it, it's what's needed. I, I, it, the hobby needs more stuff like that, really. It's hard to organise and extremely expensive, I should imagine, as well. Um, we did used to have um, the modeler's engineer. I remember when I was a kid, I would. Uh, it was over Christmas, and it was like five days, five classes, and... It, it was an exhibition for everything from model boats um, and, and like, you know, small um, machinists, machines and, you know, things for mills and stuff like that. And then there was like a corner of the, the hall, which was just for racing, you know. And I remember going and doing that event and that was, a, that was the same. That was always like four or five people deep being able to watch, you know, uh, the racing and stuff like that, and it was a, a great way to advertise the the sport that we do. Yeah, definitely. Um, so, have you got any um, plan, bigger plans for for this year, or, or going as your carpet, or is it just regionals and just back into the Essex Carpet Clash? Well, yeah, actually, yeah, yeah. now you've moved, are you still going to do the, the Essex Carpet Clash, or are you going to race elsewhere oh. this winter? No, no, definitely we'll be uh, doing Essex Carpet Clash. Um, I'm 100% behind that. You know, yeah. Rich is a, a lifelong friend, you know, um, and, is, is, you know, I, I will definitely be backing him and driving down to, to do that event. It's just not uh, – I'm just not able to get down to do some of the setup as, as much as I used to. That's the only thing because now we can actually get the hall on a Saturday night start some of the, the track set up, which makes the Sunday morning a little bit easier. Uh, now I'm just turning up on a Sunday morning and helping finish off and pack away. Yeah. Oh, cool. Here's a quick question for you. You know that Lossy, um, the new two-wheel drive car? Um, oh, the JRX. Yeah. Um, how, yeah. How cool is that? Uh, it's wicked, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I must admit, I, I was hoping it might even be a temp scale car because I think in the UK right now, it would have um, that would have hit the nail yeah. on the head. Yeah. But being 16th scale, I think it's just a, it's, it makes it a little bit niche, and it makes it I a bit think more people ex- love it. A bit more accessible to everyone as well, because everyone yeah, can yeah. get a bit of vintage, <laughs> you know. Yeah, at, uh, at, at not too much dollar. Yeah, definitely. Because we've um, both me and Chris, um, these hoes ain't loyal and all that, and we've both got lossy mini bees, um, <laughs> and my god, they're awesome. They, uh, yeah, if, they're if, great if, fun, aren't go, they? go to your returns department and say to the guys, "I want to go with the Lossy Mini B when you get one." <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, mate, they are the best. They are yeah, so they cool, are so cool. And do you know what? Like, we we don't really get that many returns of that sort of stuff. It's more like the armor bashing, where you know guys are putting these things, those sort of things, yeah. through absolute yeah. turmoil. To be honest, but like that. Yeah, I don't think I've ever seen like a mini B or anything come back. Yeah, no, they're, they're really, mate. You've, you've got to get one then. You have to get one. Yeah, they are. They are good fun, and they're they're a nice little price point for um, if you could get it as a new starter class kind of thing. They're at a nice little price point for getting into the hobby. Yeah, definitely. I mean, there was that. Um, there was like a whole scene, wasn't there? It was like the micro um, national scene, which yeah. sort of yeah was quite big. Uh, I don't know what five five, six, seven years ago or something like that, and then yeah. sort of just quietened back down and, you know, yeah, I think, has, like, I think there, was so, there was so many things happened at one time in Micros, because I was mega into it. Like, we were going away every every, every national you know, hotel and all that sort of stuff for the last couple of years. It seems like, it, yes, it was a national series, but it suited everyone a lot more when it was, like, on the M5 corridor. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Um, like, we were nipping into Wales or Caldecott or, you know, Dudley or, you know, whatever. Um, but I think, see, and then, and then another thing happened. They brought in hardcase lipos, which was a small thing. But the main thing with the nationals was, I think they didn't, they didn't work on EOS carpet. They were horrible when, to drive on EOS carpet. Like foam tyres. 
uh, they were on rally blocks, like um, Schumacher oh, white rally blocks, proper, yeah, or or the or the, the pin version. Um, but mm. yeah, but we, we and the last season was like um, MB models um, was obviously EOS, Midlands was EOS, and we went to Silverstone as well on their indoor. They had, had like a little unit. Um, we raced yeah, on EOS as there. well, and it was um, mm. you know. There's a lot of thing. A lot of things went on at the ends. You know, you got like cause everything used to be really cheap, and then Ben Cosgrove turned up with a 180 pound touring car speedo in his car. You know what I mean? Where everyone else got like a 25 quid one in it. You, yeah. you know what I mean? Or it sounds silly, you know. But these these all things have happened. You know, I was there, so yeah. I felt confident enough to talk about um, yeah. what what it was like. And so there were quite a lot of things that killed microbes. I mean, I know there's a, still a couple of pockets like Cad, um, Cadwell. Um, Cowdy Cost and Dudley have, you know, have, have a good heat on uh, on their off road nights, but yeah, it's getting um, but it's, it's it's gone now. The scene us. but something like that mini B, you know, if could really you know <laughs> could be class. I think, uh, like I say, as a, as, a, as, a, as a small cheap series. Yeah, no, definitely. Yeah. I mean, it's a great like with the RTR version. It's definitely a great feeder. A, a thing to start people off in and then obviously you have the mini b pro as well don't you um yeah which is like enough but then it's kind of adding more cost into it, it you know it just sort of as you're sort of saying it's um it's the cost that sort of kills it i think sometimes yeah. and, and this how serious it can become yeah i think now to be fair though you don't really need any of like the pro stuff with it i think the pro is just like no electronics is the base is your your advantage of yeah, that. Yeah, and you get like um, a couple of metal bits as well, I think. And yeah, shocks. yeah. I think right. yeah, I think the only thing you would want to put on it is the alley shocks, just to not even for performance, just for a bit of strength if you do crack something. But mm. no, I mean our laddies smashed them round no end and hit no end of plastic pipes and they've held up well. Um, Brilliant. I can't really comment on people doing stuff with stupid speedos because I put a Reedy five ten in mine. Well, yeah, yeah, so. that's cause, yeah, but that's because what you add in it. You know what I mean? That was just that, what that, I you add one there, so you put it in. You fair just enough. had it lying but No, I've got no problem with that, mate. There. You know, you're not yeah. ta- you're not taking a two hundred quid class into, and turning it into a four hundred quid class overnight. <laughs> is what I'm saying. No, it's just, um, it was literally what I had what I had there. And to be honest, if it was a case of a speedo. I think the speedos in it, you know, they probably should be limited to say a 50 or a 60 amp speedo rather than people going crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Andy Jones, was, pay- and, Andy Jones had a 25 amp speedo and he was like second and had some wins. You know, it was like at least yeah. like a 20 quid speedo, 25 quid speedo he was using. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I feel like, I feel like I'm going on now. Um, <laughs> yeah. Have, have you got what? One last question before we ask you the famous ones. Um, sure. Have you got a most memorable race you've ever been in? Doesn't have to be a, 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 a championship or anything. Or is there any, anything that sticks in your mind that what you thought come off? You thought that was that was a good race. Uh, yeah, definitely. Like um, I think one that comes to mind is is a KO Grand Prix back in the day, nineteen turn stock A final uh, racing around um, with a good friend Steve Lismore and we both crossed the line like identical times and just remember coming off the rostrum and just both being absolutely amazed at the race that we'd had because it wasn't just like um you know uh, follow the leader sort of thing we were swapping places we you know door rubbing and stuff like that it was brilliant um but you know come off the rostrum absolutely buzzing and then equally just having you know, some great finals in, in, in more recent years with people um, where you just come, you know, you come across from buzzing because of how good the racing was. Yeah. Um, I, I can't think specifically of recent. No, it's cool, man, it's cool. But, um, well, so what would you say your favourite car was you've ever had through your all the years of racing? Oh, my God. If you could take one to a track oh, tomorrow just for the crack, which one would you go to? Um... Probably would. It's very cliche, I would say, but the double X four. I remember when I got my one when they first came into the country when I was a kid. I remember building it that night um, and racing it that weekend and just being in absolute love with it. Um, So yeah, double X four without a doubt. Cool. A lot of people have said that, haven't they? Yeah. 
about yeah. the double X for? I don't know whether it's just like looking at life through rose tinted glasses, you know, when you're younger as well. Um, but I just remember it being an absolute, I remember loving building it, um, spending all night doing it. And then George would help me put the electronics in the day after sort of thing. And then taking it to, I think like Braxted or something like that round in, um, Essex way um, and just yeah just thinking oh my god this is the best thing I'd ever driven I think it was probably the first full drive I'd ever driven as well which probably had something to do with it and just thinking all that grip and drive that you had compared to you know a, a double x which I'd been running previously yeah I mean that it was a game changer of a car that wasn't it yeah it 100%. was it, it really did change the four-wheel drive game. You, yeah. If you didn't have one of them, you were pretty pretty shot. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I can just a little reminisce. Uh, I can remember George going off to, like, the Nationals um, in the double X days and coming back and him saying, like, there was 120 guys at the National and, like, 90 of them were double Xs. You know, it was something stupid like that, how dominant um, some of the cars were at the time. You know, when there was an advantage back then, it was big. <laughs> yeah, and of course, it gave birth to really the another successful one, which was the the triple X four, wasn't it? it? That was another another good car that came about because of that. I can't. I'm, I remember the the triple X four came about because of the triple XS, and it was yeah. basically like you know a slightly longer version with off road suspension. I don't. I didn't really have much to do with the off-road scene when that was released. I was just purely touring car back then at that point. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like I said, I can't really remember too much on that one. No, they were they were good cars. And uh, the second of our sort of famous questions we do is, what um, would be your favourite track to go back to? Um, I I do love Eden Park. I don't know why. I've done many laps around there in the past. Um, I can remember doing um, some testing uh, with the 22 um, and Andy Carter, and we built three cars. With, it all had like prototype parts, and it sent from America uh, when we were working for Horizon uh, to go test and then provide some feedback. And uh, I was the sole driver uh, on that day, and Andy was wrenching and making notes and stuff. And I think I did like a thousand laps of Eden Park. And I just, I don't know, there's something about doing that many laps. You've got to love it, haven't you? <laughs> yeah. You've got to love that track as well. And uh, yeah, oh, yeah, it never gets boring there. Classic. There's always something new to learn as well. Right, Chris, we've been going for um, coming up on an hour now. So we'll thank you for your time. Um, before we let you go, do you want to say thank you to anyone? Friends, family, sponsors, long-suffering wife, anyone in particular? <laughs> Yeah, no, definitely. Uh, I'd like to thank my sponsors, uh, Logic RC, TLR, Rich Paint, RDT, Screws for RC, um, and Spectrum. And, you know, always thank my VAR for putting up with me for disappearing at a weekend and um, putting up with talking about toy cars. <laughs> perfect, mate, perfect. All right, mate, thanks for coming on. It's been great to talk. Um, maybe we'll get you on, on again towards the end of the year, start of next year. We'll see how you're getting on through yeah. winter at Essex. Yeah, that'd be perfect, guys. Cool, Love it. Man. All right. Thanks yeah, very much. You'll have, you'll have to hang up at your own, mate. All right. Yeah. All right, See you James. Later. See you later. Thank Thank you. later, Chris. Thanks for Take coming care, guys. Bye bye. And he's gone. I'm going to leave that chair rattling in in our one take podcast. Yeah. So it's about time I bought a new one, isn't it? That was a good chat. Um, I really enjoyed yeah. that. Really yeah, enjoyed it. It was good. A little bit of history, a little bit of banter, a little bit of a few stories that was yeah. really good so anyway as a first on our wonderful one take podcast Chris yeah. we've got a new section da, da, da. Yeah. the MKG so, the MKGP headlines is coming back I think we can slang it the the MKGP3 um, yeah. and yeah how how cool is that mate it, it's awesome it's I've only I've only done one of the two yeah. but um, I will definitely be uh, trying to bribe Paul Upton to get into the third yeah. uh, you press man. Did, you press I, you deserve I it the, I know I did um, I obviously I did the Brunton Thorpe 
one at the hangar, but that wasn't an MKGP. That was yeah. a British Grand Prix. I heard they're also going to be doing short course as well. I'm not interested. <laughs> I might need to lend a four-wheel drive, if that's all right, for Bruce. I could not, I could not be less in... I'd, I'd, I'd be more inclined to lend a four-wheel drive to Bruce than you. Yeah. Because um, if, if I'm booking for two days, um, if you know what I mean, yeah. then Bruce can do the four-wheel drive on the Sunday as well, can't he? Um, yeah, bless yeah. Him, and I'll just um, be pit dad. Yeah, well... Because then I get the full, get... I'll get the full experience then, don't I? You know what I mean? Yeah, well, also, All three days. You get the practice of just being a pit dad for the I'm, next I'm, couple I'm, of years. I'm getting enough of that. Ledbury, thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, crashed again, no, Dad. So I have, um, have tapped Paul Upton up for a bit of a... A small interview once he knows a few more details. And so he has he's going to come on, yeah. He has promised me he will come on in a couple of weeks' time and um, do some announcements or some, you know, give people some more information about uh, MK MKGP three. Yeah, it's really cool. Man. I'm I'm really looking forward to it. So, yeah, it's um, one of the best meetings I've ever done, mate. And oh, UK you know, for I've, me, I've yeah, easy, fair. yeah. Yeah, easy. I've done a fair old amount, but it was. I think we've talked about it before, haven't we? That in the shopping centre, four people wide, of total never seen RC cars before, and then they're watching it, and you've got them sat in John Lewis having a coffee at the top. It, it's going to be awesome. Yeah, that'd be cool. It'd be really cool, mate. Yeah. Really cool. Um, you didn't go racing, did you? You went, to, you went on holiday to Breen. Yeah, I just, I just went away for a few days did, in the van. I got a new awning and I for it, so I wanted to test it before the Euros. And did it get tested by the rain and thunderstorms and stuff? Well, it didn't quite get tested by the thunderstorms because I saw it at 11 o'clock and I heard a thunderstorm. So we decided to pack the awning away at 11 o'clock at night yeah. so that it, it was safely Fair. away before. Yeah. So, yeah, that was that was fun doing that in the dark. But, uh, oh, brilliant. I, uh, yeah. Racing for, for me was cancelled at Oswestry. Um, oh, was the weather? Was it a washout? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They got the, they mess, their text messages and emailed at 8 o'clock. Um, and I was literally just because they weren't starting until ten, so I was literally yeah. just looking at getting out of bed, like you know what I mean. <laughs> um, yeah. And I and I saw the messages pop up, and I was like, oh, okay. You'd think they'd be more used to the weather in bloody Oswestry, wouldn't you? It's yeah, wild. I think it was. Um, it, it was. It, I think because Oswestry drains pretty quick anyway, mate. To be fair, um, but they were saying that oh, the there was a th- the, there was a risk of this thunderstorm coming over that didn't look very good because um, yeah. uh, the thunderstorm was going to start at like one o'clock because remember it was going to be practice ten till one and then yeah. racing from one o'clock onwards. Well, that's when the rain was 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 due, so they they, they canned it. Yeah. Um, and obviously, as everybody knows, Bless him. Didn't even have to yeah, chase. Right. I sent my money back yesterday. So, oh, really? uh, yeah. That's good. So yeah, can't argue. Didn't even didn't even no. mention it, and I just sent the money back. So yeah. bless him. So yeah, so and that's it. <laughs> so that's that's us rounded up. Were you racing anywhere this weekend? Um, I'm at the national mate in Bowton. Oh yeah. Yeah. You are indeed. So there's a, there's a there's a tenth national in uh, Bowton. Yeah, yeah. Which, if nobody knows where Bowton is, it's in. Literally the back arse of nowhere. Yeah. Um, Norton, Kingsland kind of black way. Yeah. Norfolk, Kingsland. It's it's the worst track to is, get is to. Is in the track they only use twice a year? Yeah. It's, once for um, the regional and once, um, and once for the national. Yeah, yeah. So it, it's, uh, it's only, ever, I think it's probably only been used a handful of times, a couple of test days yeah. and everything since COVID came about. Yeah, I remember someone saying it's weird there because you, cause it, uh, cause the track doesn't get used a lot. Sometimes you don't know if you're going to get a lot of grip or no grip. It's usually very, very low grip. Yeah. And of course it was it was the scene of Tire Gate at the last national it held. Oh, with the, so. the ballistics. Yeah. yeah, so, yeah. Um, okay. Obviously that, that's out, that can't happen this year because we're on uh, controlled rear tyres. Yeah. So. yeah, class. And I'm, yeah, I'm, I, I'm, I'm tossed up at the moment between Kiddy or Ledbury because there's a race meeting on at both. Um Right. So I don't know whether to go because I, I keep promising that I'm going to go and do a, a summer series down at um, Ledbury because I was going to we, we're going to do more eights this year. Um, yeah. But bef- because I wasn't going to do Kidderminster this weekend because I was going to because I basically thought, the tyres I've got on the race cars for both me and Bruce they've they've all got a meeting left in them you know because yeah. uh, with a couple of sets so I was basically I was going to use them and then buy new tyres for the regional um, right. and that was my plan but because I didn't use the tyres 
at Oswald Street the weekend. I've got toys. I could we could now use it. Um, Kiddie this weekend, if you know what I mean. But yeah. it depends more on my mate Stu because we normally go to Ledbury as a as a like a three O. We'll see if he wants to um, go to Ledbury or not. So I don't know yet, mate. I'll, I'll, I'll do something, but I don't know what. Yeah, I think I'm. Yeah, national this weekend, then regional next weekend, and then Euros. Wow. Because I won't be. I'm. I'm in a bit of a predicament, you see, because we've got a two-wheel drive regional at Oswestry that I could probably do. We oh, do we spoke so about this last I'm, week, didn't we? Yeah, but it's yeah, straight to the Euros. Doing, but it's literally it'd be race at Oswestry, go straight to the Euros from Oswestry. But that then that turns a, another journey on its head that I don't really want to be doing and. If you've prepped your car for the Euro, the last thing you want to be doing is potentially sending it round a soaking yeah. wet Oswestry. Well, if you were doing Oswestry, mate, you'd have to use a spare car or the old car. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, that is that is the that's, option. That's the, that's the what I'd be doing. Keep your yeah. brand, keep your, you know, you want you want some runs on the car, so it's got a bit of slop because you've got no slops fast. Um, yeah. But yeah, what do you say? That? You, you got uh, how much practice do you get before the quali- actual qualifying starts? Do you get you, oh, you get, get like four or five runs. I think it's like three or four runs of okay. practice. Yeah, That's plenty. Isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, and let's be honest, we've all done plenty of laps around Robin Hood. Yeah. So, yeah, um, it's just yeah. I'm, I'm, I'll decide close at the time, mate. Yeah, we don't need way. to bore the listeners. We don't need to bore Fair. the listeners with my my schedule with you in general. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, mate. Do you want to thank the sponsors and we'll knock it on the head? Yeah, so as always, thank you to CML Distribution, Schumacher Racing, and Will Speed Racing. These are the guys that keep us on air and provide you with some great products. Have a look at their websites, order some stuff, support them. Class, mate. And I'm going to say a massive thank you to the listeners. Guys, thanks very much for getting involved with our Car Crash for Podcast. We really appreciate your likes, your shares, and your messages to the page. Keep them coming in. If you want us to speak to anyone in particular, let us know and we'll do our best to get them to come on. I've got to give a shout out to my mate Aidan Burke. Aidan, I haven't spoken to you in a while. I hope you're all right, mate. That's it, Chris. We're done. Good luck at the National of the Weekend. Push hard, take chances. And I'll see you here next week. Yep, yeah, I will see you uh, next week and uh, hope you have a good time at Kiddie on Edward. Of course, in a bit, mate. Try. See you later. Bye bye.